talkradio.nyc. Welcome to At Home. I'm David Thiergartner, interior designer and owner of David Thiergartner Interiors, right here in beautiful Manhattan. On tonight's show, Jungle Artist. My guest tonight is Alexandra Clement, environmental, sustainable artist. Alexandra's creative spark was ignited while working for a marine construction company. That spark turned into a passion for woodworking and exotic woods from the rainforests and the jungles of South America. Sustainable materials became her mission and exposing that incredible grain, that distinctive rare color and the natural beauty became her art. I'm fascinated by Alexandra's journey and anxious to talk to her about her beautiful turn bowls, boxes, and her furniture designs. There's a lot to talk about, so let's get started. creative spark come from the one that lights you up inside that transforms you in an instant and and what what is that moment i think we have all heard someone say oh i fell in love at first sight or i knew in an instant what to do but what is that is that innate intuition creative instinct the lining up of the stars, the universe talking to us? And if so, what does that mean? And what is that telling us? And where on earth does creativity come from? And how, how does that spark ignite? Well, for my guest tonight, it came from the jungle. Alexandra Clement is a sustainable artist and in a spark, in an instant, In a realization, she changed her life forever and became an artist. And I'm fascinated by that. I've always been fascinated by creativity. How does their imagination work and how do they see things differently from the rest of us? And how do they explore their ideas and make them happen? You know, how do they deliver a product or an idea? Well, chances are, It comes from within them, born of all the ideas that they absorb throughout their day and throughout their lifetime. And I'm always interested in what captivates their eyes, why perhaps they're walking down the street or what they see in the forest or inside the cover of a magazine. Somehow, somewhere, we absorb our environment and file it deep inside ourselves, and when the time is right, we reassemble our thoughts, our ideas, our innovations into something hopefully unique and worthwhile to the world around us. For me, it's an everyday process. I've always thought of it as a combination of structure and limits with the freedom to free associate and give credence to what floats off the top of my head. I make it a daily practice to be curious, to be stimulated by what's around me. I read and reflect and try to put out as much as I take in mentally and emotionally. I treat it as precious. 
and give it the importance that it requires. It can be a little bit painful too, you know, I must admit, waiting sometimes endlessly for myself to come up with a new idea or concept or solution. That's hard. There's no question about it. And I've always wondered that perhaps my creativity was something that came from deep within me, like, I don't know, the fountain of youth, but more like an I, the well of ideas. And I've always worried that it would disappear when I needed it most or maybe just dry up like an empty snow globe I took off the shelf yesterday. But as I get older, I realize that's a little silly and I'm as creative as I've ever been. And I have confidence that I didn't have at 30. And I'm interested in my bad ideas as much as I'm interested in my good ones. And they take me, those bad ideas, on a journey and they teach me about being responsible to my ideas. I have a better understanding of what the end product needs to be and what it needs to look like before I even start thinking about it. And ultimately, since I can remember, I've allowed myself to reach out, to dig deeper. I've given myself permission to develop and create ideas and concepts and strategies my entire life. And if there is a well of creativity, well, it seems pretty much endless. And that's why I am so anxious to talk to Alexandra about her talent and her artistry because one must give themselves permission to be creative. And she did just that in a moment. A moment. A moment in the woods, in the rainforest, in the jungles of South America. And as Henry David Thoreau once wrote, I took a walk in the woods and I came out taller than the trees. When we come back, my conversation with environmental, environmental sustainable artist Alexandra Clement. This is At Home. I'm David Thiergartner, and we'll be back in two minutes. listening to the Talking Alternative Network. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in a rut? Negative thoughts, feelings and conversations got you down? Hi, I'm Noreen Sumter, The Potentiator. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time and listen for new ideas on my show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way, on talkradio.nyc. Who do you want to connect with? Are you an entrepreneur or intrapreneur looking to build your following? Welcome to our show. Follow Me Friday with Joan and Priya. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern on talkradio.nyc. We're, We're your digital, digital connectors. connectors. Woo woo! What's that? <laughs> <laughs> Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. My guest tonight, Alexandra Clement, woodworker, 
environmental activists and artists. Alexandra, welcome to At Home. Hello. Thanks for having me. Oh, my God. My pleasure. We've been working on this for a while. A while, yes. I'm so grateful that you're here tonight. Um, I start each and every show with the same question, which is, what is your meaning of beauty? And more specifically, what is beautiful in your home? I think what's beautiful in my home is the objects that I've found from my travels. So I would say the things that I've collected from different tribes, from different places, and and one of the most special things to me is obviously all the wood that I've collected from my travels, which brings me into what my business is. So you've been around the world and you've been in places I think only, or or that some of us can only dream of. Um, what What is the beauty within all of that? I think going to different parts of the world and opening up your eyes to different cultures is something that's really important. It really just inspires me. It, it's, it lights a fire, you know, gets that creativity going. That's something that I have always kind of known since I first stepped off the, an airplane. Um, you know, I didn't get to travel much when I was younger. So once I was able to do it when I was older, it was just kind of like, oh, wow, there's a whole world that I can see and I really want to explore that. Oh, that's great. So I'm excited to hear all about that, but I'm going to try to stay true to form mm-hmm. and answer the questions or answer, ask the questions in form, which I have a bad habit of not doing. So let's at least try. Okay. okay. And then we'll get into how exciting all of that is, because I think it's wonderful. We find here that most artists, most creative people, most designers, most anybody who has any of those instincts have had those feelings their whole life. And certainly as a young child and stuff, was there any indication to you about what your your future life as an artist was going to look like when you were younger? I'm not sure it ever was specific to my medium, which is wood, which turned out to be wood. But there was always something creative going on in my mind. You know, I was never the best student. I was a good student. But just sitting in classrooms and and learning things and memorizing things. And it was always really boring to me. So I always wanted to be doing something with my hands, whether it was drawing or painting. Wasn't very good at it. But that's what I was drawn to more so than regular academics. Um, So as I grew up, you know, I didn't really know what I would do creatively. So it's really kind of crazy that it fell into woodworking. It's been an interesting road. Can we go with that for a little while? So did your so was it more that you weren't good at it? And so nobody picked up that you should be doing it? Or was it something that you continually did, even though maybe you weren't getting the response and the positive response that was required? Yeah, I didn't really get too much of a response, but I always liked doing it. But it was just kind of something I did on the side. I never really thought, oh, I can make a career out of this. Plus, I had other friends who were more artist in the way that they represented themselves and lived more of like an artist lifestyle. Um, Even going into college, they went to art school. You know, I didn't go to art school. Um, So it's just, I never really thought of myself as an artist growing up. I think I I feel, that's why I asked because I feel exactly the same way. I did all kinds of stuff. I built ponds and Mm -hmm. did this and created that and did that, but nobody Nobody said, hey, you were good at it or you should do it. Same. So I've always been fascinated by how our childhood turned into our adult life. Mm -hmm. So let's help everybody. Let's let's set a big picture of who you are and what you do and the interesting uh, journey that you've been on. So can you describe a little bit about your art first and then how you got to your art? Sure. I mean, right now I make, you know, large furniture pieces and art pieces that are made from wood that I find sustainably in the jungle. So I go down to South America and I've I actually started with going down to South America before I even picked up a tool. I was in the jungle looking for wood. Um, And I believe the way that I became an artist was really just involving and immersing myself in my material to really try to bring out that beauty and show it to people. And so it was, can we say it was talking to you? Yeah. I mean, it's like quite literally was talking to me because I don't think my creativity or my ideas could have come in another way. Mm. 
Um, you know, when you start to, when you first look at a piece of wood and it's just in the jungle, you don't really see the colors, the grain, the beauty, the, the hardness of it, the, all that's going to go into having to make a piece out of it. So you really have to just start with the shape, the, what you think is going to happen. And then once you start uncovering that, you can envision what it's going to be and how you can use it. Yeah, I mean, if you really think that there's here this tree that's covered in bark mm-hmm. that's been there for a long time that might have a fern growing out of it or covered in leaves or dirt or whatever, you're looking into, into it, into it mm-hmm. to see what the possibilities of it are. Right. I mean, even when I go down to the jungle now, sometimes I just stare around me at all the trees and I'm just like, oh my God, can you imagine if I just like sanded that in half and you can just like see all the colors surrounding me? It would be insane. It's absolutely <laughs> fascinating. Yeah, I'm just totally taken by it. And I'm taken by the journey of not only that you found yourself in a jungle in, or, or I guess, is it the Amazon rainforest? Or is there some um, other, are there other places? It's Well, it was different. I was down in the areas of like Suriname, Guyana. So it's very close to the Amazon, but you wouldn't call it the Amazon. Currently, I was just down in the Darien, which is in Panama. So that's a jungle that kind of lies right between the border of Panama and Colombia. Notorious jungle. So that's what I want to talk about for a second. So we communicated a couple weeks ago. You didn't get back to me. (laughs) And then there was a moment of panic where I thought, oh, you know, something was amiss or however you want to describe it. And then you wrote me back and you said, David, I've been in the jungle (laughs) and I haven't had any communication, which then I totally was, you know, excited about. Can you just talk a little bit about that? Can you just talk about I'm flying down, um... I land here and now I go. So are you meeting people? Are you meeting people to go into the woods or sorry, into the forest? How does it work? Well, um, I mean, Panama in general started out as it's it's been a long buildup of making relationships there. So I've been really lucky. Like I've I've um, found friends that actually love what I do and want to help me on this journey. So um, my one friend, his family has the first organic farm down in Panama. So they have all this land and um, they, they've been really awesome. They, they said that any seeds I collect, I can plant it on their farm. Any wood I have, I can bring it to their farm and kind of leave it there if I find it. Um, so the uncle who owns the organic farm, he has a sailboat. And last time I was down in Panama, he told me that, you know, well, if you want to sail to the Darien jungle, which is someplace I've always wanted to go, we can do that. And I was like, really? We, we can sail to this like really remote part of the world. Wow. And you know, that's really hard to access without a boat. Right. So and um, so I just had to go. And that's kind of how it started. Um, and then we went on this 11 day sailing excursion to the jungle. And it was pretty intense. Um, and then once we got there, we met with a tribe in the middle of the jungle. And I mean, it's a really long story, but basically I'm going to be working with this tribe that I found to gather wood that has already fallen and even more importantly, get seedlings of a lot of trees that have disappeared in Panama and replant them at the farm that they have. Oh, at the organic farm? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. So lots of different Different aspects of what what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And so were you dependent on the native people to help you understand what the wood was that you... Well, wait, that's a question far to have how on earth did, i mean you walked into the forest there's what do you want to i mean i have seven acres in woodstock and there's all <laughs> kinds of fallen trees i don't yeah. know the difference so you're looking at a fallen tree so go ahead and say did they help you understand what tree you were looking at and and what the rarity or the beauty of what it was inside of it yeah i mean i try to do as much research as i can before i go like I have read so much about trees that are in that area, studying the leaves, studying the bark, everything I can that so that I can try to identify the trees. But what it comes down to is the local people are going to be where it's at for you to know the most information. So, yeah, like, I mean, when I went in there, as soon as you start talking to these people about their land, they get so excited. So they know so many things. So no matter how, how much I study how much I educate myself, you know, there's nothing like talking to them because they're so passionate about it. And they've been living in this environment where they've had to utilize so much of the natural resources that they have because, you know, they're in the middle of nowhere. They're, they're trees, they're, they're rivers, they're, 
the animals, everything that's around them, they use every single day. So they know a lot. And so when they, when I went in there, when I told them some of the woods that I was looking for specifically, they got all excited and went, oh, well, you know, if we walk two hours this way, we can find this tree that, wow. you know, had fallen down. And I think it's the one that you're looking for. Oh and, you God. know, so it kind of starts like that. And then it just turns that into this exciting. conversation. Then as you're walking along in the jungle, they'll, they'll start you know, once they start to know like what you're really interested in, they'll start to point out other trees and, you know, like what the wood is and what they use it for. And, you know, it, it just kind of turns into this snowball. It's so really there's some, cool. There's, it is. It's incredibly cool. Mm-hmm. And I got a thousand things going on in my head. But <laughs> so what is it? Why, why do you do what you do? Is it is it the art? Is it is it the sustainability? Is it the expression of finding a rarity and exposing it to the world. What is it? Yeah, I mean, I think you kind of hit it there. It's like I, I really started out with, wow, I don't think a lot of people have seen how beautiful this wood is. How do I show it to people and how do I do it justice, right? Because this material is so special. So how do I, how do I bring it to life in a way that it should be represented? And to me, that's only the only way to make something truly beautiful is if you never harmed it. it, it the tree has has to have lived its full life. Oh my you know? god! So there's a whole nother. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's so good. We we just had flooring experts on last week, and we had to talk about ancient wood mm. uh, versus new wood and the difference between those. You're talking about it on a whole nother level. Yeah. Of, of beauty and artistry and nature's gift to the rest of us. And yeah, I mean, if a tree has fallen in the jungle, it could be there for 80 years laying dormant, waiting right. to be discovered. Right? right. It's true. Right. So there's something incredibly exciting and wonderful about that. Um, do you think that, um, it's a silly question because I think maybe all artists would ask, but I'm going to ask anyway, do you think your art reflects you? And if it does, in in what way? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's a little crazy like me. (laughs) Um, It's a little, it's, I mean, yeah. I I, I don't know the exact words to find that, but. I I mean, I guess because you kind of came upon it at a different point of your life where maybe most people do or most artists do, I don't know. But is it, is it, Is it something that you just didn't know that was inside of you that is now being expressed? Yeah, I definitely didn't know that this was going to be what I was doing. You know, I didn't know that I'd be able to even do it. Um, I really had to take a big risk and like a leap of faith. I still am taking a big risk and a leap of faith and putting everything I have into this just because I fell in love with it. But, you know, I had no idea. Yeah, and and I've asked that question just because I asked that question to myself throughout the years and that I think... We talked before about how creativity is born and artistry is born and and all of that. And I think it is a reflection of who we are. But where, where did that come from? Right. Right. And I think that's one of the big mysteries of life. Right. I mean, even if we asked Michelangelo's parents what it was, (laughs) what would what would the answer be? Yeah, I don't know. And so I've always been like crazy fascinated by that. But um, certainly um, I think a passion for art and a passion for creativity is enough to uh, make it worthy, of course, right? And, to and make I think it so too. And having a purpose for it too, you know, like if you have a, if you have a reason that you want to show somebody something, I think that's what art truly is, is, is showing people something different. Yeah, exactly. Right. Something that they've never, I mean, certainly for me mm-hmm. um, and looking at your work and all that is an exploration that I haven't been on. I mean, uh, some of the colorations of uh, the art or the bowls or some of the items that you've created, I've never seen in wood before Mm -hmm. because I think we're limited to our regions and where we are, right? You know, I use walnut all the time. I I love American walnut. Mm -hmm. I can do it in wall panels and I can do it in furniture. Yeah. Um, And I do so Mm -hmm. all the time. (laughs) Yeah. And then I don't even know the names of the the wood that you're using, but I looked and you have this incredible, I don't even claret color, this beautiful red wine color bowl. The pentaglone, yeah. Oh my God. And you know, you kind of, my head wants to go, that is a magnificent, you know, wall on a staircase and 
Yeah. You know, the fir- the first question people usually ask me is, what do you stain your wood with? Because it looks like <laughs> it's stained, but yeah. it's not, right? No, it's right. not stained. I, I mean, all that. And, and that's a huge part of my job is bringing out those colors, bringing out that beauty, because it does definitely does not start out like that. So this is what I need to ask. So now, so what was the name of that wood? And if you look Pentaglone. on Instagram, by the way, um, we have a couple of those. So you mm. can have a visual image yes. of what we're talking about. But it's an incredibly beautiful, I'm going to say claret. Because uh, I don't want to say burgundy, but it is a burgundy mm-hmm. color. But um, so it's this incredibly beautiful redwood, let's say. And so now you're in the jungle. And did you do the research on that species? On that particular species, I didn't know much about when I first started. I mean, I was, when I brought that wood back, I think I was around. 19 or 20 when I first started and um, I was actually talking to the local people in that area at the time which was deeper into South America not in Panama and they were talking about this wood that was it was like a bluish purple and I didn't believe you know I didn't believe them I thought they were crazy Um, and then even because you only know of American woods too right at the time yeah yeah, Yeah, at the time I mean you know and I was young too so it wasn't like wood was this huge thing on my mind pretty young but go ahead (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah being down there and then they, they started telling me about these colors and I just I didn't believe it um, so what happens they say oh this is it it's a log in the well or it's a, yeah. a, a stump in the jungle in the jungle well this one this it started out with this one guy was like i have all this this land uh with these stumps and the forestry commission comes down and they do a count like how many stumps um are in your area and they wanted to clear that area so i went in found these stumps and i was like well they they were supposed to burn the stumps And I said, well, instead of burning these stumps, like, let's dig them out. Can I pay you guys some money? Like, let's get some chainsaws and we'll we'll cut this stuff and I'll buy it from you. Um, So and then they cut it and I saw the color and I I was was just like, so that was it. While you were there, because we're going to go to break here in a second. mm -hmm. But while you were there, you were actually able to see the inside of the wood and then expose the coloration and the graining for what it is. Yeah, I thought I was losing it, but it was real. (laughs) Wow. Uh And how exciting was that? So exciting. Wow. And had you ever seen anything like that? No. And that's when I knew I was like, maybe I'm onto something here. I'm not sure that I've ever seen anything like the color of that wood before. Mm -hmm. It was breathtaking. I'm talking to Alexandra, and we are deep in the jungle of ideas, artistry, and creativity. And we'll continue this conversation in two minutes. You are listening to At Home on talkradio.nyc. I want to live, not merely survive. And I won't give up this dream of life that keeps me alive. I gotta be me I gotta be me The dream that I see Makes me what I am You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. Do you like comic books and movies? How about TV and pop culture? Then you've come to the right place. Hi, I'm Michael Dolce, host of Secrets of the Sire. Joined every week by my co-host, Hassan, Lord of the Radio Godwin. Together, we have over 15 years' experience creating graphic novels, screenplays, and more. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. Wednesday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern, talkradio.nyc. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day.
we are having an exciting conversation with Alexandra Clement. Uh, she's an environmental artist, and uh, I want you to take a look at her website, Alexandra Clement, and let's spell it for everybody, C-L-I-M-E-N-T. Dot com. com. Yeah, dot yeah, com. Do that, and it's the same on Instagram, right? Same on Instagram, at Alexandra Clement. Is there any, uh, are there Twitter and Facebook and all the other? I have the Facebook, same thing, my name. Yeah. Twitter, I don't really use anymore. Yeah. So, I mean, but you'll get there. Certainly yeah. your website and Instagram is enough. Instagram's yeah, fun. Yeah, it's good for now. Does, yeah, right? It's good. I can barely keep up with that, so. Yeah, right? Isn't that <laughs> true? Um, and as we go through this, uh, send your questions, of course, to David at davidthirgardnerinteriors.com and just put at home in the subject line and we'll get to those in a couple minutes. Um, there's so much that uh, I think I'm just fascinated by, the, just the discovery of your artistry uh, the the yes question, uh, I'm going to do this. Like, I almost want to ask you what your mother thought when you went to the jungles of South Africa. I don't know if I want to tell you. But, <laughs> as a, but as a parent and an older person, maybe I'll let that go. But um, we talked a little bit about what type of wood, woods you're looking for, and you discussed that. But let's talk a little bit now about... Um, your wood, your woodworking skills. Well, where did that come from? And was was that a new discovery for yourself too? So here you are in the jungles of South Af uh, America, and now you got to come back and do something with it. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about this? Well, that was another huge hurdle. I mean, first it was it was finding this wood, getting it here. You know, all the whole process of just sending things to New York from another country. Being, you know, I was nineteen at the time, was difficult. And then once I got the wood here. Um, I didn't know how to work with it. And my mom actually on her days off, she would drive me around, um, tri-state area, mm -hmm. like we would go all the way to Philadelphia, New Jersey, upstate New York, looking for wood shops, um, to help me try to cut this stuff. Cause at first I had gotten stumps sent to me. So they were the stumps that we dug, you know, out of the ground that would have been burned. And they were about, uh, they were, they were pretty thick. So I wanted to get them to be thinner. And what started happening was all these wood shops were telling me that this wood could not be cut. They said, it's too dense. It's too heavy. It'll break all the blades. Uh -huh. Like you're not going to be able to do anything with this. Yeah. So I thought I had wasted like three or four years, maybe even longer of my life after getting all this wood here that I wasn't going to be able to work with it. So that was a major challenge. And I mean... I can go on about that for a long time, I mean, but I'm going to skip over it. Going over, but yes, we yeah, skip over it. But that answer is, you can't believe how many times people say no to you. Right? Yes, on, basically, on all different levels of artistry and all of yeah. that. Yeah, right? and so, it really just takes that one person to say yes, because that's what ended up happening. Yeah, is yeah, yeah. I, you know, I was still working a full time job, but I finally um, found a wood shop in Brooklyn. I saw somebody. I actually heard a saw, and I, you know, went in and kind of asked if I could work there. Um, and then just what ended up happening was they let me use the space and I just started sanding. I just started with sanding and you know, when that machine didn't work, I tried a larger machine because the wood is so difficult to work with. And I just started asking questions to whoever was around me. It was a shared space, tons of different people working. So I just little by little just kept trying things out and that's kind of how I taught myself. And yeah. Wow. Sort of, again, like Michelangelo having a piece of marble in front of him and discovering what was inside of it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, pretty fascinating. Pretty incredible. Let's just, because you're an artist on so many levels, but you're an artist using material uh, that's important, I think, um, to some of us uh, from a societal point of view, from an environmental point of view, from a sustainable point of view. So what is your place in society, do you think? What are you, what are you really trying to represent uh, to the rest of us? Well, what I'm trying to say is that, like, through using sustainable material, is that there's a way to do things beautifully full circle, mm -hmm. I think. It's like, the yes, circle you, of life. yeah, the circle, like, you can, you can have wood that's beautiful, that 
that lived its full life and you didn't cut anything down, you didn't harm you anything. You didn't destroy anything. Right, and that to me just makes it truly beautiful. There's also, you know, not everybody can go down to the jungle and find their own wood, but there's other ways that you can give back, you know, like what I do now with trying to find seeds of trees that are going extinct and planting them. You know, there's ways that we can do things in our artistry to make things you know, beautiful to make things sustainable in whatever way we can. So I'm trying to spread that word. But I will say for me, looking at your work is that not that I, I think we all understand that the rainforest is having challenges or might be in danger depending on what spectrum that you're talking to, right? I think we all get that. Mm -hmm. But to see what you brought out and the beauty that you gave fr or brought from that and to show us, gives it a more urgency, a more uh, declaration of how important it is. I think so. Right? And and that that's something tremendously incredible. And, and I think it makes it even more beautiful than we think. Yeah. And I think it yeah. gives it, like people a platform to start talking about it. I, yeah, exactly. Because um, even my clients, the people that have purchased my pieces who have the have them in their home it's a story that they start to tell because people ask questions when they go into the home like what is this piece of wood that's blue and purple and reds and and that came from where and right? then they start to and tell the story right? they start yeah. yeah and they 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 say you know this was this was found in the jungle by this this artist who makes furniture and you know they start to tell the story about it and what i do and then it gets on more people's radar so it kind of comes full circle. I think it's tremendously important and it's really an inspiration, I think, to all of us. What do you enjoy most? Do you enjoy the actual art of it or the anticipation of finding it or the discovery and the challenges of getting it? What What's the exciting part of it? I think it's definitely a little bit of both. I'll, I'll be in the woodshop for months making pieces and I mean I, I think that that's probably the most satisfying is seeing a finished piece yeah um, because it's kind of like okay you know from where I started down in the jungle all dirty covered in mud sick you know bug bites everywhere you know finally I'm able to show this piece that's beautiful and that somebody else is gonna think is beautiful and people can look at um, but if I'm in the shop for more than a couple months and I don't go to the jungle, I start to feel this weird sense, like I get really uncomfortable, like I need to go down there. Um, so it's like I have this weird calling to go back to the jungle, to look for wood, to look for seeds. Um, but the same thing happens when I'm in the jungle. Like even even last week when I was down in Darien, you know, I started wanting to work with the wood. Like, you know, so it's just... You wanted to bring it back. I wanted to bring it back <laughs> so, and I just wanted to get a, a saw on it and I wanted to just like start digging out all those colors and like feeling all of the reasons like why I come down here, you know, like you want to start to see it. So it's a really weird thing. I'm drawn between both places. So that's how I'm trying to live my life. And I think I am too, which is a, it's a, maybe why I asked the question in the first place. Because when I start a new project, the, my mind gets full of ideas and I can see three-dimensionally what it should look like. And, and I can live in that experience for months, maybe six weeks or several months, and I can see the house and all that. Then it can be as long as two years can be as long as it could be longer than yeah. that and then to see the final product and did that a match to my original idea that i saw in my head i just that whole width that bandwidth of conceptual and realization is just a fascinating journey for me mm -hmm. and i to this day all these years later i still absolutely enjoy it so i understand exactly what you're talking uh -huh. about and that's great um, what was, what's, what's been, uh, we should ask this cause somebody, I'm sure there's somebody typing this question to us now. What's the scariest e experience in the jungle that you've had? Um, I've had a gun, you know, Whoa. held up to me. Well, yeah. That, that was can happen fun. in New York. That can definitely happen in New York, but it's way scarier when you're, you know, in a, in a very, uh, remote country, very remote part of that country and you don't know why they're doing it. Um, but I mean, that was really scary. It was on, I was, uh, entering a road to the jungle and it was really unclear why they were holding me up they didn't say like we want money you know they they just held me for a really long time mm. um so that was definitely very very scary i also got very very sick when i was down uh in guyana um you know coming back with months and months of jungle fever 
Yeah, I guess. <laughs> some some stuff like that. Stomach problems. Oh, I mean, really? Yeah, yeah really, right, really, yeah. really bad stuff. So, yeah, I've had a knife to my throat. Oh, I my mean, God. I can keep going. It's, 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 I don't think I should have asked. Yeah. You, no, I mean, things are better now. Um, that's why I'm, I'm working in Panama, which is, uh, you know, anything can happen. But I feel safer there. Well, one of the reasons that I asked is because um, I think the fear of the unknown is is a little bit about creativity. Um, and how to get over that and to get the knowledge and to get over uh, the fear of not knowing enough and not understanding enough. I mean, um, that's one of the reasons why I love interior design is because it's not just one thing that we do. We do a thousand things. Mm -hmm. And there's no way that I know all of those thousand things. And Mm so every day I step into a trap of, oh, I I haven't experienced that before. And you're kind of doing the exact same thing. Yeah. I mean, I think you have to tap your resources too. You have to ask questions. I think people are sometimes afraid they don't know how to do something, but it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to learn it on your own too, to figure it out. And take the time. Take the risk. Take the time. You have to jump into it. Otherwise, you're never going to be able to do it. Could you just repeat that one more time? Take the time. (laughs) Take take the time. Take the risk. Jump into it. Don't just say you're going to do stuff. Just just get started. Even if it's in the, the smallest little way you know take take an hour out of your day to start something i think it's just absolutely important and important for all of us to know so as we wrap up here what is you know your ultimate dream regarding your art what you know if you could project yourself 10 years from now 15 years from now what do you see i mean i would really just like to keep getting my pieces out to people to so that they can know the story so they so that the wood can be seen i think all the wood that I find in the jungle, I just want people to be able to see it. So if I can get it out to people in a larger scale for them to look at it and appreciate it, I think would be the goal. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would agree with you mm-hmm. on that. I'm going to ask real quick before we go. Um, you do such... Uh, and and I, I've seen it on so many different levels uh, throughout my career. But your boxes in per se are, are just absolutely breathtaking Thank to me. Thank you. There's a finery to them. Um, that I'm just totally impressed with. And the way that you use the wood to express itself in the box, I think is incredible. Certainly we talked about the claret or the burgundy colored bowl or I guess dish or the platter, yeah. platter mm-hmm. which literally makes your, your jaw drop. But um, so you have this incredible thing. And then furniture. So why furniture when you're dealing on sort of a smaller scale where I'm thinking that you can control the wood a little bit more, then you've expanded it to larger pieces. And was that a different challenge unto itself? Yeah, I mean, it's always difficult to to learn and to teach yourself how to build large scale furniture pieces. But it, it like I said, you just start asking questions and you can start to figure it out. But I loved furniture from the very beginning because I always looked at it as something that you have for a really long time, that you pass down mm. through generations mm, of course. so you know my my parents they used to do antiquing when they were younger and we had a, a few antique pieces in our home and it was just so cool to me that they can be passed down um, and that's something so cool about my material too is like this stuff's never going to go away it's no. like stone that's how hard it is so whatever piece I make for a client they're going to have it for Hundreds forever centuries. and their kids will have it and their kids or whoever they, they sell it to it's just it's something that's going to live on so I think that's really cool. Well, I got to tell you, Alexandra, it seems as if we started moments ago. <laughs> and <laughs> I have literally, if you looked at my notepad and all of what I have in front of me, I have thousands of more questions. So um, can you stay and take some questions from our listeners? Sure. And, and see what they have to say? Sure, I would love to. That'd be great. This is At Home, and Alexandra and I will be back in a creative moment or two. This is the night, this is the day, when I send all my doubts and demons on their way, every endeavor I have made ever is coming into play, it's here and now today. This is the 
You are listening to the Talking Alternative Network. The best designs for your life start at home. I'm David Thiergartner, interior designer and host of At Home. Listen live Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time as we talk to the very best professionals about interior design and the design that's all around us right here on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. TalkingAlternative.com Alexandra, we're back, and this is my favorite part of the show because we get questions from people who are listening, and um, I guess we're getting people from all over the world tonight, which is exciting. Ooh, good. But, uh, yeah, and so um, here's the first one. Tamara, tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Oh, that's her handle. Okay. Um, that's an interesting email. Um, she says, thanks, David and Alexandra. I have an 18-year-old daughter who has been interested in weaving for years. She announced to me that she would like to go to Peru for a few years and learn ancient weaving techniques. I am very nervous. Uh, Alexandra, do you have any advice? I mean, I think that sounds really, really great. Um, you could certainly check, I'm sure, to see where she's going and make sure it's safe. But um, from what I've heard about Peru, I mean, the people are supposed to be really wonderful. It's supposed to be, I'm not sure exactly where in Peru, you know, she was thinking of going, but it's supposed to be an amazing place, very safe place. I would think there there would be some kind of programming and maybe that even the university or the college yeah, could help her with. I would think so. Um, you know, like I have friends who go, you know, on cooking tours or learning how to cook or whatever, I, I would think a little bit more research might be able to help them. Yeah, out a bit. I mean, I kind of went down blind. So if there's anything that's set up that's you know solid, I think that that's completely safe, and you should tell her to go. I mean, traveling, especially at a, a younger age when you can absorb everything, I think is really really great. If you have the opportunity, you should go. And certainly for the mom, she can go the first time with her yeah. and see what it's like. That sounds perfect. I but, would do that. Uh, please encourage her to do so. I think. Yes, uh, encourage her to do so. Travel is always is always good in my eyes. Between the two of us, we would only encourage it and not discourage <laughs> it. So this is from John123. Just curious, Alexandra, how much wood is available? How much do I have in stock or, I, 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 or in the jungle? Say, I don't know. It's uh, endless. Well, you can answer. Yeah. I mean, but I guess if you're only using fallen pieces, uh, maybe we can help him out and say, um, how much can you bring back? I mean, there's got to be a cost to, to yeah, bringing I, it back and and all of that, right? Well, I'll kind of answer both. I mean, like how I I do it is you can't send back individual pieces. You have to wait until you've gathered enough wood and send it in a container. Um, but as far as how much is available, I mean, we couldn't even enter the river, um, when we were going to see the tribe, uh, for a whole day, just because there were so many fallen trees just oh my that, in the river. Okay. So that's a good um, question. Yeah. Though. I mean, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it gives us all an understanding of what is available. Yeah, I mean, and this wood needs to be cleared. I mean, these people can't get to their homes if this wood isn't removed. So, I mean, a lot of the times it's not just like a random tree that's fallen in the middle of nowhere. It's something that usually it needs to be removed. Some It's in somebody's way or, you know, they're building a road or it's in the middle of the river and the canoes can't cross. I mean, there's a whole bunch of different ways, but 
yeah, and, and, as, and as far as stock goes back here in New York, I have, you know, I only send it by container, so I have a lot of stock here. Wow. I mean, all of that was fascinating. I mean, you <laughs> I know, I mean, I don't it. think that you understand that there's a tree blocking your way in the jungle. I would think there's oh a God, thousand yeah. trees blocking yeah. your way in the jungle. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, yeah, I know so, what you mean. Yeah. yeah. Fallen I mean, ones. Because we just had a fallen tree over our road and I went, oh, damn it. Right, yeah, right. there You're you talking. go. Yeah, exactly. yeah. But uh, it wasn't any exotic rare species. I'm you sure. never know. <laughs> Here's a great question from Frank. What is your favorite place to go outside of the jungle for inspiration? Oh, that's interesting. I don't know. I've been so absorbed in the jungle that I don't think I've ever left. Um, well, I mean, I think, I mean, right here at home in Brooklyn, one of my favorite places to go is Coney Island. Um, it's a place my father used to take me growing up. And every single time I go there, I'm inspired by like the sideshow culture and the weirdness of that place. So It's a little bit like the jungle. Yeah. So is New York, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I started in Coney Island, actually. Really? Yeah, that's where I started. And so, yeah, I think that's a good introduction yeah. to the jungle. Yeah, I think New so. New York offers us a lot of experiences, right? I that, think so. Um, that uh, maybe other people don't get. Right? Yeah, yeah, because we're, we're used to things being thrown at us from all directions. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, and certainly the train alone can oh, uh, yes. send our creativity going. Yeah. Yeah, fascinating, uh, fascinating question. Here's another one. This is from uh, Tina. Well, what do you like most about your work? I think we answered that a little bit, but maybe just go a little bit further into that. Um, I mean, if I wanted to narrow down one part that I actually kind of hate, but also it's the best, is just oiling a piece, putting the finishing touch. Oh, doing the final details yeah, on yeah, it. Yeah, because and all... And then really it, yeah. letting it come to life almost, right? right? Because, I mean, all yeah. that work that you're doing, and, yeah. and again, I'll reiterate, sanding this wood is one of the most difficult parts because well, it's so Well, let's go hard. even further. The trip down, yeah. finding the, the, the piece in the first place, mm-hmm. shipping it... To New York. To New York, then bringing it into the shop, doing what you do to make it into art, there's a lot of steps. Yeah, there's the a lot of steps. I mean, there's a lot. But that final when you when you put that oil on there and you finally see that grain and those colors, um, it's like it's one of those. You know, I'm not very religious, but it's definitely a religious moment. Experience. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think I'm a little curious now because I said all of that. But I think that a lot of people in understanding art. And understanding other people's work, right? I don't want to say that we don't, we're not understood. Certainly, as an interior designer, I feel we're not understood. <laughs> but I mean, almost anybody could say that. So, just describe that again. I mean, in other words, there are what fourteen, twenty steps to the final product. Sure, yeah, right. And and some of them mean you're traveling six thousand miles to make it happen. Oh yeah, I mean, pretty yeah. much for all of them, I've had to yeah. travel. 6,000 miles. So, more, way more, right? Yeah. I don't <laughs> right. know. I, <laughs> I should probably figure that out. <laughs> yeah, that would be good. I just found out New Zealand was 9,000 miles away. Okay, so, so 6,000 sounds so about that right. That sounds right to me. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a good number. Oops. Um, so, okay, terrific. Uh, so that's good. Is there anything um, that we didn't to talk about you want our listeners to take away? Um, from what you do and, and your expression. Is there anything about sustainability? Because we talked a lot about creativity. We talked a lot about artistry. We talked a lot about talent. What about sustainability? What's, could you, do you want to talk about that? A yeah, little bit of I, your message? I mean, uh, there's a lot of things, but I think as an artist, I think it's our responsibility to kind of know where our materials are coming from, what we're using, how we can do better. Um, I think that those are always great questions to ask. Like I said before, not everybody can go and find their own material in the jungle, but we can ask questions and we can start to change the attitude about, you know, the materials that we're using or, or even as consumers start asking those questions like, where is this piece that I'm buying? Where did it come from? Was it made in a factory? Was it made by hand? You know, is it a solid piece of wood or does it have particle board in the center? You just start asking questions about, you know, what we're getting. I think that's really important. Yeah, I mean, I think we certainly know that about paper, right? Some of the great art paper uses acid, and that acid is destructive to the environment. Yes. Um, Even though it is a beautiful paper to use uh, for what we're working on. Um, I didn't know that until my art teacher talked to me about that and trying to understand what papers we can use 
and and develop for that. I want to talk about furniture real quick before we go, just because again I'm just fascinated by um, pieces, objects of art, right? That we may or may not use that we can put on a shelf or hang on a wall or set on a table. But the idea of furniture itself and the utility of it and the expression, the artistic expression of that, they go hand in hand. And so I'm fascinated by that. And um, does your mind race with this piece versus that and that this piece can be an incredible console table and this piece could be... Uh, a beautiful chair, or again, is that all just found on the on the in the shop? Yeah, I think it's it's again, it's found through that piece that I'm working with. Like I start to envision what it's going to become as I'm working with it, as I start to uncover the grain. Also, you know, when I do a commission piece, for example, like I'll have a little bit of an idea of what I'm trying to make, so I just try to see how that kind of comes through once I start working on it. So it's not even so much yet, let's say yet, that you're commissioning six dining room chairs, um, but that you are creating one chair that maybe could be uh, replicated elsewhere. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you know what, Alexandra? We're out of time. Oh, no. It was and, so fast. Um, it does. It goes really, really fast. I can't thank you enough. It was a real joy of for course, me. Of course. It was my pleasure. And um, your, your whole story is an inspiration, I think, to all of us who... Thank you have a kernel of creativity. Thanks. So thank you so much. We really, really appreciate it. I want to thank everybody here at talkradio.nyc, Schoolhouse, number six productions. Well, you know, I couldn't do it without you. And I wouldn't want to try. Ben Keegan for my music. And remember to follow me on Instagram and Twitter at home with DTI. Also, take a look at my website, davidthegartnerinteriors.com. Join me next week for John Bueno. He's a incredible architect who does uh, renovation projects of major historic buildings, and um, I'm very anxious to talk to him about that. Uh, stay tuned for the Noreen Sumter Show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way. And until next week on the radio, remember the best designs for your life start at home. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in a rut? Negative thoughts, feelings, and conversations got you down? Hi, I'm Noreen Sumter, the Potentiator. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time and listen for new ideas on my show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way, on talkradio.nyc. Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at talkingalternative.com. Do you like comic books and movies? How about TV and pop culture? Then you've come to the right place. Hi, I'm Michael Dolce, host of Secrets of the Sire. Joined every week by my co-host, Hassan, Lord of the Radio Godwin. Together, we have over 15 years' experience creating graphic novels, screenplays, and more. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. Wednesday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern, talkradio.nyc. The 
The best designs for your life start at home. I'm David Thiergartner, interior designer and host of At Home. Listen live Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time as we talk to the very best professionals about interior design and the design that's all around us right here on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. 